0: Hallelujah. There's some exciting things happening, isn't there? A lot of stuff happening. So definitely check out your bulletins. Make sure you got all those details. Please join us for those things that we need help with as far as getting the play set and all that kind of stuff. This has been in the works for a a little bit of time now, but it's finally come to pass. We've had some warmer weather and that kind of thing. So uh, do come out. I do encourage you. He mentioned, Eddie mentioned, bring your work boots. The reason why they're donating it to us is because it's in a floodplain, guys, and uh, they've moved their, their HOA playground to another area. They got a whole new play set and stuff like that. But depending on how dry this week is, if we get a little bit more rain or whatever, that's going to be some mud that you're going to be sitting in uh, as as you go. So don't wear shoes that you want to wear again, you know, to church perhaps, you know, uh, but wear ones that are that are old you do yard work in and that kind of thing. You don't mind getting a little bit messy, but it'll be fun. It'll be fun so we'll have some some tools to be able to make it possible but can't you see the kids playing on that play set can't you see some fellowship just we want to have some tables and stuff out there so families can gather together safe place for our families our kids we'll get some fence put up and all that kind of stuff so we know that they won't run away <laughs> but then our parents can have how many moms like to have some face-to-face time with uh with some adults you know, and some some dads even, you know, just to be able to have some good, healthy adult conversation. It's it's good to have every now and then. Uh, But in any case, yeah, a lot of stuff going on, a lot of amazing services coming up. So invite somebody and uh, be ready for what the Lord will do. Okay, let's pray one more time and uh, we'll get into the word of God this morning. Heavenly Father, we love you and we bless you this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank you for for gracing us with your love and your power this morning as you've stirred our hearts and have begun to awaken us more and more to the pleasure of God and to to the love that is within, within your heart. God, I thank you that this morning as the word comes that you would ignite a passion for you like we've never had before. Lord God, that we would see you in greater measure, that you open our eyes to see you, God, in a fresh glimpse, in a fresh way, God. Remove, Lord, every false identity that we have, whether it be of ourselves or of you, God, and allow us to see you lifted up. Open up our ears, God, so that we can hear what your Spirit is saying. Right now, release all blockage, God. Release all confusion. I just contend right now for those that have had difficulty in hearing you in recent days. Right now, let that break off of their lives, God, that the Spirit can come quickly. Even now, God, you are opening up those pathways, God, so that we can hear your voice and know the voice of our shepherd, the guiding wisdom of God. Lord, we thank you for that. Open up our hearts to receive fresh revelation today change us by your spirit God change us by your spirit take over my words in this place God as I lean into you God I say come Lord come Lord Jesus and have your way in Jesus name in Jesus name if you agree with that saint say amen hallelujah hallelujah well have you enjoyed talking about the love of God over the past few weeks there's some times where we think we know everything about a subject until we realize that we don't know everything about a subject. And love is one of those things that if God is love, and that if His ways and His His ways are past finding out, His ways are unsearchable. Yet He demands us or calls and cries out to us to seek Him. There's something to be said about seeking after the love of God, of who He is. I'm not one to just simply, even as I mentioned a little bit earlier in the service, that just goes out about the the touchy-feely kind of love. I'm I'm not about that, even though I love it when I feel the love of God. I love it when I feel His presence. How many of you love and enjoy feeling the presence of God? Doesn't it encourage you? Doesn't it give you a sense of fresh hope in life and and motivates you? It has its way of bringing a little bit of transformation to us. So I'm not saying that it is not worth anything. I'm saying it is worth a lot. But to focus on Jesus for who he is and to focus on his love and the aspects that make him who he is so that we can be who we are called to be, that's something that we need to come into, to learn to love, to learn to love. And I pray that today we would be able to learn a little bit more of how to love. We're going to take it in a little bit different direction than we have in the last couple of weeks. I honestly didn't plan on spending a few weeks on this subject when we started. I thought it would be one and done. But you know how the Lord begins to move and and shape us. And I, I appreciate our worship team and those that have brought forth words and different things that just go in line with the Word today. But let me remind you, A little bit of what we've gone over in this way by reading out of 1 Corinthians chapter 13 one more time. We're not going to stay here long, but I need to lay this foundation. Verse 1 Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels, but have not love, I have become sounding brass or a clanging cymbal. Basically, an annoying noise. And though I have the gift of prophecy and understand all mysteries and all knowledge, and though I have all faith, all the things that Christianity would say that you are a superstar, you are a hero in the faith, even all faith so that I could remove mountains, but have not love, I am nothing. I am nothing. And though I bestow all my goods to feed the poor, and though I give my body to be burned, but have not love, it profits me nothing. Love suffers long and is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not parade itself. It is not puffed up. It does not behave rudely. It does not seek its own. It is not provoked. It thinks no evil. It does not rejoice in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth. It bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, and endures all things. Love never fails. You remember last week, we inserted Jesus's name into all those things. And so we recognize that Jesus suffers long. He is patient. Jesus is kind. And ultimately, all those things to say that Jesus Jesus never fails. But whether there are prophecies, they will fail. Whether there are tongues, they will cease. Whether there is knowledge, it will vanish away. For we know in part and we prophesy in part. But when that which is perfect has come, then that which is in part will be done away. When I was a child, I spoke as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. For now we see in a mirror dimly, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I shall know just as I also am known. And now abide faith, hope, love. These three, but the greatest of these is love the greatest of these is love. Let me remind you that this passage, you may want to debate me on it, but I believe we're all in the same place today, that we recognize this is not saying that prophecies themselves cease, that all these things are done away with. But know that when we see Jesus after his return in all of his glory, as in face to face, then we won't need those things because we have prophecy in front of us. We have Jesus' love in front of us. We have all things in front of us when we see Jesus face to face. Last week we talked about some hard truths that the Lord calls us to the ministry of reconciliation. It's a beautiful process. It's a beautiful thing but not easy to do. Amen. It costs us something to be in the process of reconciliation. But the Lord calls us to it because it makes us more and more like him because that was his ministry in coming to earth to reconcile all of us back onto him into pure fellowship with him regardless of what we have done. We try to excuse ourselves sometimes by saying that we are too in love with God to entertain or put up with other people's sin. And this is a sickness in the body. We say that we don't have time for these types of things but the scriptures say that you were estranged from God. You had no, right, had no righteous compass in you. You were despicable and you were wrong, but God who is rich in mercy, how many can say amen, that the Lord is rich in mercy. One who knows the truth about you took the first step and every other step to reconcile you back to himself. When you couldn't earn it, when we couldn't deserve it, we couldn't find our way to him, he came. And the scripture says that God so loved us that he sent his only son. And then also while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Amen. In return, having received this tremendous love and mercy, we are called to the ministry of reconciliation. And sometimes we have to exhibit tough love in these relationships that we have with one another. I encourage you to listen back to the last couple of weeks to get more uh, more involved with what we had spoken of. But I want to shift gears this morning and continue talking about the way that God loves us and the love that he calls us to. The tenacity of God's love, if I can phrase it like that. That God's love is a powerful force. That God's love is so fearless and it creates a fearlessness inside of us. Have you ever experienced the love of God to where you didn't care about whatever was going on around you? You didn't care what you looked like. You ever spend some time, even in a in a church setting at an altar, experiencing the love of God? Yet, it's not running down your face. Your eyes are all red. You're sure your hair is a mess, or whatever it is, but you don't care. Why? Because you experienced the powerful love, the touch of God, the redeeming love of God. That's the love of God that I'm talking about this morning that every one of us needs to experience not just one time Not just two times or three times But my heart would be that we experience that every day of our lives Every day of our lives. The lord wants us to know a fresh measure of his love You may not understand it. You may not understand in this place this morning. Maybe you're having a difficult time in your own life. Maybe you're having a difficult battle in your mind trying to understand who God is, if he is really a good God. I want to tell you this morning, emphatically, knowing by experience that God is a true, truly good God, a loving God, a loving God. Oh, the tenacity of Jesus' love It's so easily reflected upon and talked about, but not so easily lived out. Let me say that again. This is why we're here. It's so easily reflected upon and talked about, but not so easily lived out. So don't just get a word message this morning. Get ready to be activated in your hearts and in your lives. God's love is selfless, steadfast, and powerful. It's also unconditional. Titus 3 verses 4 through 5 says that we were saved by God's loving kindness, not because of what we had done, but because of who He is. Romans 5.8 reminds us that the only way God's love is comprehensible is when we turn to Jesus, when we see him, when we turn to him, then we see the one who loves us, saves us, and now rules over our lives as a gracious, merciful, and loving king. Lamentations 3, one one of uh, my favorite passages in Scripture, in the midst of an entire book based on a terrible time in the history of the the Hebrew children and the Jews that Jerusalem was overtaken by Babylon. And there is true lamenting. There's a lot of not good stuff mentioned in these chapters. But somewhere in the middle, in the middle of the chapters, in chapter 3, verses 20 through 24, it says it like this in the English standard. Standard version, that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. Can I say that one more time? Let that sink down into your spirit. We can sing about it. We can, we, we, we can declare it. But if it doesn't sink down into our hearts this morning, we've missed it altogether. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. Never. Never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. There's something deeply connected about experiencing the love of God and receiving a fresh hope inside of your heart. You can't not walk away without hope. Did I say that correctly? Too many negatives? You understand what I'm saying? You can't help but walk away full of hope, full of life, full of promise when you counter the love of God. And it seems even contradictory the way this is translated to say that the steadfast love of the Lord never ceases and his mercy, mercies never come to an end, but yet they are new every morning. How does that happen? If they're never ending, how are they also new? God himself is never changing. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But you know what is so good about him is that his mercy is so steadfast, his mercy is so powerful that it's as if it was new every single moment, every second that passes, it's as if it's new again, it's new again, it's new again. It's not as if it was freshly created out of nothing, but it is something that was always there. So that when you go through something and you've done the worst, you consider yourself the worst of sinners, You consider yourself furthest from, or farthest from God. God says, my mercy towards you never ceases. It never ceases. That's a tremendous message this morning. We can leave just knowing that, just receiving that, that scripture this morning, knowing that God's mercy never ceases. He will forgive us time and time again. There is a responsible part of action that we have to recognize that we have failed, to recognize that we have missed the mark and we do need to come to the cross and repent of our sins. But this joy that we have, this hope that we have is knowing that we can run to Him and His mercy never fails us. So undeserving, so undeserving, the very definition of mercy. God's love is fearless. It knows no bounds. It conquers all. It never fails. Well, let me tell you, there's something about relating to God and having a relationship with God, about having intimacy with Him, about having a prayer life. How many of you love to spend time in prayer with the Lord? We know that prayer is two-way communication with God. It's not just us making requests unto Him, but it's also receiving and listening to Him. There's a partnership that happens in prayer. It's not about our will, but it's about receiving His you will always receive the positive character traits that you repeatedly pray for. I'll say that again if you're taking notes. You will always receive the positive character traits that you repeatedly pray for. I believe there's breakthrough that comes as we cry out to God in earnestness. And why do I bring this up? Because I do believe that specific prayers get specific answers. And so as we pray, Lord, teach us and show us how to love this morning, I believe if we continue, that's why we're in this three weeks in, not just stopping at one week, but saying, Lord, we need to learn about this thing called love. We need to learn about this verb love, even though it could be classified as a noun. It it really is most exemplified in action. And so we say, Lord, teach us to love. How many times in this past week have you or have we specifically asked the Lord to flow in love? I don't know how many times you did. I don't know how many times I did. But I want to encourage you. Ask the Lord specifically. Let your love flow in our hearts. Matthew 7, 7 says, Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives. And he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. I believe if we freely go after God and ask him for this character, he will give it to us. Remember something this morning? I was thinking about the fruit of the Spirit. We'll read that verse in just a second, but the fruit of the Spirit is always grown. While gifts are given, fruit is grown. Fruit is grown. It talked about in 1 Corinthians 13 about how all these gifts come. If you have all these things but have not love, it's as if you had nothing. Why? Because fruit is grown. Galatians 5, through 25 says, But the fruit of the Spirit is first love. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. Against such there is no law. And those who are Christ have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. If we live in the Spirit, let us also walk in the Spirit. Two quick things about fruit. About growing fruit. How many of you have ever grown fruit? A fruit tree or some type of fruit bush? It takes a little bit. Number one, the, the recognition that I have is that it takes time. It takes time. It doesn't happen overnight. Sometimes you have to plant a tree or a male and a female or how, how, the, how those things pollinate and all that kind of stuff. I don't understand fully the science behind it, but I know some that have better wisdom than I and I've listened to them and seen this work. That it takes time, sometimes even years, before you see the first fruit. That it takes nurture, it takes care, it takes tending to the soil, it takes removing weeds, it takes watering, it takes sunlight, it takes a process. Ultimately, it takes time. It takes time. More often, we think that if we're getting a gift or we're experiencing something of God, we like the microwave setting. We like, we like the microwave more than the oven. We like, we like the process to be quick, but I believe that love is grown inside of us. The second thing about growing fruit and growing things, many of you can testify, it often takes manure. It often takes manure. It takes some stuff that is a little bit smelly to fertilize it. It takes some hard circumstances. It takes some pressure. It takes some mess in order to grow fruit to its fullest capability. This morning, I want to let you know that actions of love will eventually create the feelings of love that we desire to have in our hearts. How many married couples say amen? That actions of love, purposeful, intentional steps taken one for another, when we don't feel like it, will lead into the place of feeling like it. The world says you have to feel like it before you act in love. But the Word of God says that you act like it and then you experience the love. Why? Because you initiate something and walk into a place where the Holy Spirit begins to flow through you and that love can be expressed. And not only is the person that you are trying to love and have affection for or give them something of a nature or an action of love, but also you yourself begin to be transformed by that very love. Hallelujah. Hallelujah just like faith in James 2:20 faith without works is dead i believe that love without works is dead people remember a lot of things about you but most often those of you that are called of Christ they remember how the Jesus inside of you made them feel we're called to be conduits of the glory of God a few more things and there's another passage i want us to get to this morning a different mindset about love. But we need to remember also that grace and salvation this morning are absolutely free. Can you say amen to that? Grace and salvation are absolutely free. But you know what's not free? Intimacy with Jesus. Intimacy with the Lord. Grace and salvation is absolutely free, but intimacy with Jesus will cost you everything, friends this morning, my heart, is that your heart would be so filled and fueled with a passion to be intimate with Jesus, that when you leave this place, your desire to spend your time wisely will be as if your your entire schedule gets upended and turned into a way that you can find intimate moments with the Lord Jesus. The Word of God says that we 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 will find Him when we seek Him with Are apathetic, half-hearted, when I'm in the mood heart. No, it doesn't say that, does it? It says, I'll be found of you when you seek me with your whole heart. With your whole heart. Let me remind you this morning that the 12 disciples spent plenty of time with Jesus. Plenty of time right before Jesus, but three of them were closer than the rest, Peter, James, and John. They spent more what? time with Him. Time and sought after Him. It wasn't that Jesus simply liked them more. It was that they spent more time with Him. There was a pursuit involved, time involved. And as I was studying, I believe the Holy Spirit spoke to me in this way, and He broke out the word on a wall before me and I saw the word intimacy, intimacy. One time in recent days, I heard the word or heard the phrase, into me you see, into me you see. That as you come into him, you will see and you'll get revelation. But I believe as the Lord began to speak to me even even more, I saw it broken down one more time. It's a two-way street. Yeah, there's something that happens in me, but the Lord is waiting and he is watching. He says, in time I see in time, I see if you really mean what you say. If you really are committed to me, I'll see it in the time. You want to be intimate with me? In time, I will see. How many spouses say, I just want time with my husband. I just want time with my wife. On, on uh, distracted time. How many of your kids pull on your, sh- your, your, your clothes and say, daddy, 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 mommy, mommy, mom, mom. They probably say mom a lot more they want your attention. It could be really something minuscule. It could be something that they even forget by the time you get to them. But as long as you give them your attention, they got what they needed. They just wanted that glimpse of time to know. They're still, that's their level of intimacy. It's not, a, not an erotic intimacy. It's a, it's a different kind of intimacy. But sometimes they like the cuddle. Sometimes they grow up and they just want to know that there's boundaries. Sometimes they grow up and they just need to know that you can answer the phone call when they call because they've tried it on their own and realized that what you said for 15, 18, 20 years was actually true. Time, time. This is not an overnight thing. In time, I see, but into me, you see. There was also one that was called Beloved, John. And he was the only one who stayed with Jesus at the foot of the cross when the others had left. You see, many of us want to celebrate resurrection morning, which we're about to do in a couple of weeks, even though we really should be celebrating the resurrection every day of our lives But, friends, listen, you can't have the fullness of the empty tomb without first having Jesus around the cross. You can't have the empty tomb without having that that embrace of what he had done through his sacrifice and spending time with him to intimately knowing why he did what he did. Turn with me in your Bibles this morning to a passage of scripture that's probably not very popular Exodus chapter 21. Exodus chapter 21, this is in the passage just after Mount Sinai, the Ten Commandments are given, and all of a sudden there's some more laws we tend to skip over or gloss over. But I want you to hear what's happening. The law concerning servants or slaves. Picking up in verse 2, It says, when you buy a Hebrew slave, he shall serve six years. And then the seventh, he shall go out free for nothing. If he comes in single, he shall go out single. If he comes in married, then his wife shall go out with him. If his master gives him a wife and she bears him sons or daughters, the wife and her children shall be her masters, and he shall go out alone. But if the slave plainly says, I love my master, my wife, and my children, I will not go out free. Then his master shall bring him to God, and he shall bring him to the door of the doorpost, and his master shall bore his ear through with an awl, and he shall be his slave forever. How many of you have that passage of Scripture memorized? How many of you, that was the first time you ever heard that passage of Scripture? You see, Exodus 21, this passage is actually foreshadowing key principles Christ stressed over and over in the New Testament. Listen to his words in Matthew sixteen twenty-five: for whoever shall find his life will lose it. And whoever loses his life for my sake will truly find it. You see, the first point that I want to make out of this passage of Scripture is that there's a paradox in God's kingdom, as there often is with almost everything in the upside-down kingdom of God. To be truly free, I must first choose in some ways to be bound. I'll say that again. To, to be truly free, I must first choose in some ways to be bound. Now, let me break this down a little bit for you because I don't want you thinking that this is something that I'm, uh, I'm trying to propagate or, or to lift up slavery. Absolutely not. But the slavery that's going on here is that more of an indentured servant, is more of a relational type of thing. And I'm not going to say that there weren't abuses in history. I wasn't there. But I'm telling you, God laid out a prescription to bring freedom. It wasn't to endorse slavery, it was to bring freedom. And that's what you need to see in this passage. We'll see it as we go through it. But there was something of freedom. The Hebrew will will come in, he'll serve six years, and then on the seventh year, he'll, he'll be able to be free. God is calling kingdom leaders in this house. How many of you believe that you are called to leadership? That you are called to lead? If you are a servant of the Most High God, you are called to lead in this life. You are called to lead in this life, maybe different responsibility, maybe different position, maybe different effect on different, different parts of your world, the people that you come into contact with, but you are called to lead into a, a glorious form of what we'll call love slavery. I'm not talking about sex trafficking this morning. I'm talking about a love relationship. It's a voluntary surrender of certain things, certain attitudes, certain priorities born out of love and not out of legalism. If you think I'm trying to give you another prescription this morning, just as I mentioned a couple weeks ago, that that is not what I am saying. Philippians 2.12 says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. There's a relationship that we have as we come into our relationship with the Lord. There's a sanctification type of a process. There's a growing, there's a growth that that, that we take on. And I believe that the Lord is wanting us to come to a place where we learn to truly be free. I must first choose in some ways to be bound. To be bound. In contrast to What we often see today, slave was an often used and significant term among New Testament believers. But again, I don't hear the term as prominent in our circles today. You wouldn't hear this phrase. But today, let's give it the prominence that it deserves. The Greek term in the New Testament for servant is doulos. It's used over 130 times within Scripture the word servant or bondservant or could be translated slave in your Bible. You've probably read past it and didn't even recognize it or realize it. The most literal meaning would be that a person's entire will was completely swallowed up by another person's will. How many of you desire that your will would be completely swallowed up by the, the Lord Jesus's will? to come into that place of intimacy, the place of love, the place of undying love and service to where our will becomes effectively His will. Romans 1.1 says, dear friends in Rome, this letter is from Paul. Jesus Christ, your version may say servant or it may say slave chosen to be a missionary, and sent out to preach God's good news. Again, Galatians 1.10. You can see that I am not trying to please you by sweet talk and flattery. No, I am trying to please God. If I were still trying to please men, I could not be Christ's slave. Titus 1.1. From Paul, the slave of God and messenger of Jesus Christ. James 1 1, from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, greetings to you. Jude 1 1, this letter is from Jude, a slave of Jesus Christ and a brother of James. Second Peter one one the, from Simon Peter, a slave and missionary of our Lord Jesus Christ. And the slave references go on and on and on and on. But it's not talking about somebody that has no no ability to choose or no ability to, to function. It talks about this relationship of a bond servant. This relationship of a bond servant. This relationship where we see that there is a choice involved. Before I get there, I want us to recognize that quite often in our culture and in our society, we feel as if, as long as we're in the race, we're in a good place. How many of you know that Christianity is a race that we are called to run and run it well and run it with endurance as if seeking after the prize? But somehow over the generations, we've got to this place where everybody thinks that they get the trophy. That you you as long as you sign up to play on that baseball team, everybody gets the trophy. As long as you play soccer, everybody gets the trophy. Regardless of how good or how terrible you were. As long as you showed up, you get the trophy. Now there's an element of truth to this: that there's nothing you can do to earn salvation. There's nothing you can do to earn right standing with him. But can I tell you there's a relationship that God calls us to? to where we will have a crown one day and there will be parts of reward in heaven one day based on how we choose to live our lives. I don't know about you, but I don't want to just get by and get into heaven. I want to give something of worth unto my loving savior. I want to give him something and lay something before his feet to where he is. He is he is so honored and he is so pleased. It's like spiritual capitalism where we no longer have the motivation to work or to invest. We just think it will automatically happen to us. And in truth, it's just a distortion of the truth. I mentioned that a bond servant demands a choice that only you can make. Really, only you can make for you. You can't have someone else make that choice for you this morning. Verse 2 says, "If you buy a a, a Hebrew servant, he shall serve 6 years, and in the 7th year he shall go out free and pay nothing." So there's two choices in that 7th year after serving in that capacity. You can choose to either go free or in verse 5 and 6 it says the servant plainly says, "If I love my master, I will not go out free. I will not go out free. Why in the world would anyone not want to be free after that point? What is my point this morning? I believe that the Lord is in a process right now in the church and in here and in us this morning, that there's a holy reduction that's being taken place, that there's a sifting in the the hearts of man and the hearts of the church so that there can be those that are found truly faithful unto Christ that there can be those that are found truly loving and truly serving with hearts full of love and gratitude towards our Savior. Those of us who really want to be those that are used in His kingdom in this crazy time. You see, the servant who chose to go out free was not looked down upon. Why? Because his master realized he had every right to leave. He had paid his dues. He had done everything that he was, he was called to do. He had the right to leave. He had worked six long years and had the right to go out free. I'm concerned this morning because I believe that we live in a generation when we're concerned more about our rights than we are our responsibilities as the children of God. We're more, more concerned about our rights, about what is entitled to us, about that spirit of entitlement that truly grasps this age right now. And we get caught up in what our rights are, that all the things that we can ascribe to us and put on a t-shirt or put on a bumper sticker or put on a coat or put on the Facebook or Instagram as, as the quotes that, that these are the things that we are. These are our rights. And yes, we do have rights as children of God, but you know what? We also have responsibilities. We also have responsibilities. In 1 Corinthians and in Romans, the New Testament makes it clear, the stronger are always called to adjust for the weaker. That we are called again to the ministry of reconciliation. We are called to be those that do not offend. That when one is weak, another needs to be strong. That those that are mature in Christ restore those that are in trouble. That those that are caught up in sin, you restore those brethren into a place of faith and life and transformation. The only right that Jesus trumpeted while he was on earth was his right to die. His right to die. You see, the bondservant chooses something greater than serving self or self-serving freedom. He chooses spiritual intimacy with his master. He chooses spiritual intimacy with his master. Again, why would anyone after serving six years want to go back and, and put yourself under bondage? Why? Because you recognize the goodness of your master. You recognize the love that was bestowed to you. You recognize that being a quote-unquote servant or slave is really no servant or slave at all. You realize that it is a joy to be in the house of your master. You realize that it's a joy to give your life completely and wholly to him. Psalm 36, verse 8 through 9 says, Bondservants servants shall be abundantly satisfied with the fatness of his house, and he will make them drink at the river of his pleasures. For in him is the fountain of life, and in, and in his light one will discover light and life. Philippians 2 verses 5 through 7 says, your attitude should be the kind that was shown to us by Jesus Christ, who though he was God did not demand and cling to his rights as God, but laid aside his mighty power and glory, taking the disguise of a slave and becoming like men. Then Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 9, 19 says, For though I am free from all men, I have made myself servant to all. He's using this very same language. Are you hearing me? Is this beginning to unravel to you this morning? Jesus Christ in John 8, 28 through 29. My meat is to do the will of him who sent me and to finish his work. I do nothing of myself I always do the things that please him. Or basically, I only do what I see my father doing. I only do what my master tells me to do. Why? Because I love him. Why? Because I love him. Jesus came to earth. He had freedom to do whatever he wanted. He was even tempted like us to be able to exercise that freedom and to operate within his own rights. But he chose the way of his master. He chose the way of the Father. John eight twenty eight, Again, I do nothing of myself. I always do the things that please Him. Psalm 50, verse 5. Gather to me, my faithful ones, those that have made a covenant with me by their sacrifice. Psalm 40, verse 6. Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but my ear you have pierced. My ear you have pierced. What does that mean? I came into that relationship where I recognized, God, I want to be your servant. I want to be your slave. Pierce me. Whatever you have to do to mark me. I'm not advocating that you just go out and get piercings this morning. I'm just simply saying, give yourself over to the Lord. Give yourself over to him as a bond servant, as, as the lover of your souls. You can recognize how good this relationship is. I know this can be hard to swallow, but are you hearing me this morning? Are you hearing me, the joy of coming into this type of a relationship? Let me ask you, quite simply, is Jesus really enough? Is Jesus really enough? I'll ask you one more time. Is only Jesus? Is Jesus really enough for you? This isn't to condemn any of us, but to identify us with reality in this moment. Because we have the ability to walk out those doors and to live for him or to live for ourselves. We can do whatever we want with our time. We can do whatever we want with our money. We can do whatever we want with our friendships. We can do whatever we want in this life, what we choose to work, how we choose to relate to one another. We have ultimate freedom. But the Lord is saying, I love you so much, I give you that ability to choose whatever you want. But what I really desire... What I really desire is for you to dwell in my house forever, forever, to make covenant with me. Not a legalistic covenant, but a life giving, passion filled covenant. Is Jesus really enough? Verse 6 of Exodus 21 said, Then his master will bring him to the judges. Then the judges will then bring him to the door, to the doorpost. As a token, his master will pierce his ear with a tool called an awl, and it will be a symbol showing that he will serve his master forever. Jesus Christ is our example of this attitude in John 10:18. Said, No one forces me to lay down my life. I lay it down willingly. I lay it down willingly. I want you to hear. A story. Many of you know this. This story uh, about the history of the Moravians. How many? Of you, how many of you are familiar with the Moravians? Uh, obviously, North Carolina being relatively close, some of you have probably went to the area where there's been settlements of the Moravians. Moravian Falls, amazing place to go and spend some time in prayer and 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 just meet with the Lord. But many years ago. There was a movement that was birthed out of God coming down and touching a people. And before I get into reading this this actual story, just to lay the foundation, there was a people that really, in essence, were kind of like the first Protestants. They were the first ones to kind of break away, saying that there was more to this relationship with the Lord. There was was more more to a relationship with God than rules and regulations. And they got into this place of having a settlement uh, where they they sought the Lord together. There were some disagreements. There were two different factions that that came. And all of a sudden, after some time, the leaders began to pray and they began to fast and they began to cry out to the Lord. And there was a Pentecost-type moment where the, the Lord came down and filled their hearts with an overwhelming sense of love, not only for God, but for one another, that they became so filled with the Spirit of God that they asked for each other's forgiveness and they began to move in a place of harmony and they began to start this prayer meeting where there were 24 men and 24 women that would each take an hour of the day and they would go in rotation and pray around the clock, crying out to God and and invoking His presence and invoking the heart of the Lord. And for over 100 years, this birthed into a 24-hour prayer movement. 100 years, 24-7. Can I tell you, when you pray something, when you get into a place where there is effectual prayer going on for 100 years, you better believe that the Lord is going to do something. Let me read this story to you. John Leonard Dober and David Nishman. May not have pronounced that correctly, but our names you probably don't recognize. But John was a potter and David a carpenter. They were born, they were both in their 20s, ordinary lives, ordinary occupations, but extraordinary men. The year was 1732. These two men heard that there were 3,000 slaves from the jungles of Africa who had been captured by an atheistic British slave owner. He transported them to the Caribbean to do forced labor in his sugarcane fields. 3,000 men doomed to do agonizingly backbreaking work under the intense sun of the Caribbean. But even more unthinkable, 3,000 men doomed to live and die without even hearing once the message of Christ's love and hope for them. So after prayer, John and David felt prompted of the Lord to minister to these 3,000 slaves on the Caribbean islands. They became the very first Moravian missionaries. But these guys weren't going on a nice short-term mission trip to the Caribbean. Let me tell you the rest of the story. As they made plans for their mission trip to the Caribbean, they met an agonizing roadblock. They were told they would never be allowed to do such a thing. The government officials told them firmly, your transport to the Caribbean slave village is not only impossible, but also unthinkable. The government officials went on to tell the two guys that the only people allowed near the African slaves in the Caribbean islands were either the brutal slave owners or other slaves themselves. So, what did these two young Moravian men do in the face of that impossibility? They sold themselves to the slave owner and boarded a ship bound for the Caribbean, knowing they would never return. In order to minister to the slaves, they first had to make themselves slaves. As the ship pulled away from the docks, family members and friends continued to emotionally call out to the men, begging them to reverse their decision. But as the ship slipped away from the shore... The two young men linked arms, raised their hands together towards heaven, and shouted triumphantly across the spreading gap of sea, May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. May the lamb that was slain receive the reward of his suffering. I tell you this morning that that is a tremendous act of love and tremendous act of self-sacrifice. And I'm not telling you this morning that you need to, to, to do something as extreme as this this morning. Maybe you do. Maybe the Lord's calling you to something of tremendous sacrifice. But I want you to recognize that there's something so powerful about coming into a relationship with God, our Maker, our Master who desires to love us extravagantly. Let me give you another picture this morning so that you can see it perhaps a little bit differently. Think about a husband and a wife during this time, during the exodus that were perhaps in 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 this slavery and they were at the end of their their time and they were beginning to, to converse one with another about what their decision might be. Bear with me as I try to go back and forth as the wife and the husband. The wife, I just said goodbye to the Rosin family. They're leaving tomorrow morning. Hard to believe we'll never see them again. The husband would say they've made their decision. We need to respect that. The master was good to them. He loaded their camels down with provisions and some very costly jewels. Hesitating and nervous, the wife begins to ask, have you, I mean... Have you made your final decision yet? The husband looking up from his work, my, my decision? About whether we'll plant corn or wheat in the fields tomorrow? Stop kidding, the wife would say. You know what I'm talking about. Will you and I be leaving like the Rosin family? It will be seven years of being a slave here for us soon. And I came in with you so we could go out together free and clear. The husband replies, "I don't know. I've lost a lot of sheep over, or lost, excuse me, a lot of sleep over my decision. Life apart from slavery would probably be a lot easier." The, the wife replies, "Yes, dear one, I know that's true. The long hours, the hot sun, it's a lot to be asked of any man." The husband replies, "There's one catch." She says, "What's that?" The husband replies, "I really love him." I mean, our master, he's been so much more than just a boss to me. The wife says, I know that, but look around us. It looks like most everyone else is choosing to leave here when their seven years is up to go out as free men and women. The husband says, you're right but I've never been like everybody else. And even more than that, the master, he, he's, he's always been really good to me. He saved my life, really. Besides, sometimes I sense in his voice a deep, painful loneliness. Loneliness, the wife says. He owns hundreds of us and his own property. He has people all around him all the time. How could he possibly be lonely? The husband replies, I just think he yearned for a few young men or a few men around him who want to be more than just his servants, perhaps more like his sons. The wife replies, well, all I know is that most of the other slaves are choosing to go out free when their opportunity comes. The husband says, and all I know is that love is always a more powerful force than law. If we do choose to stay, we'll begin a new chapter around here, starting the very day they pierce my ear. I've thought a lot about it. It could be a sort of personal love slavery we could give our master, something very personal between just us. The wife says, "As you wish. Just please think long and hard about your decision." All of our friends will be leaving to choose this. Ro- excuse me, this road would often be very lonely. Besides, freedom would be such a treasured luxury. The husband replies, but sometimes to be truly free, a man must first choose to be truly bound. Continuing on. The husband makes his decision and the master says, let me ask you one more time. Are you sure you want to do this? The husband, I'd be lying to you if I said the decision has been easy. The master says, I know most all of your friends have chosen to leave and who could blame them? A man likes to call his own shots to run his own life. The husband says, master, may I ask you a personal question? One that will pound in my head tonight if I don't get the courage to ask you now. The master says, sure, what's the question? He says, why are you speaking to me like this? It's almost as if you're trying to talk me out of staying on as your slave. The master says, well, there's a big world out there. I'm sure the chance of doing your own thing, of not being anyone's servant sounds pretty appealing to you. Besides, most of your friends have walked away, so I assumed you would leave me too. The husband says, I hear you, but I think there's something more, something you're not telling me. Are you wanting me out of here for some reason? Have I upset you? Made you angry? What do you why do you want to get rid of me? The master says, my good boy, you are so very very wrong. You just don't understand. Then help me understand, the slave says. Why are you so slow in accepting my decision to stay? Looking aside, the master, struggling to give his answer, says, You want the truth? I'll give you the truth. It's because I love you. And when you love someone, you don't force a close relationship on them. They always have to choose it. The bottom line, you're not just a servant to me. You're a son. The slave, the husband says, and that, my Lord, is the very reason why I'm not packing up my bags like the others. If my servanthood opens up the door to a deeper sonship, only a fool would walk away. Here's the all, master. It will be my honor to belong to you forever. One time, I must ask you, the master says, will you, my son, choose to go out free? The slave says, others may, my Lord. But I may, I will not. Symbolically, that ring in that slave's ear determines that his whole family, his whole life will now be lived in the the household of that master. And I believe that it's the heart of God. Mike, I want you to help me right now to come back to the stage. But I believe it's the heart of Father God right now. For us to experience a deeper level of love, a deeper level of commitment unto him, to say, "You know what? not my life that I want to see lived, but his lo- life lived through me. I don't want to just be a servant in the house of God. I don't want to just be one that is at the doorpost, even though that would be a great place to be. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter of the king, fully realizing all that that means taking the freedom that he gives me, understanding that taking this freedom that I don't use and exercise my freedom to give and give my life to sin again. I give my life to a life of freedom as a son in the house of God, as a daughter in the house of God. He's calling us to be those that give our lives to him. every head bowed and every eye closed, I want us to cry out to the Father this morning that He would make these things a fresh reality to us. Lord, it's not easy. It's not easy for us to come to this place where we say, Lord, I want to crucify my flesh. I want to crucify my desires. I want to crucify my dreams and submit them all to You. But Lord, I believe that I have this one hope, this one earnest hope in seeing how you, Jesus, lived your life and gave your life so freely to us, for us. You gave your life upon the cross, seeing all the shame, seeing all the rejection, experiencing all of what you were about to embrace. You took it as joy set before you and you endured it. You endured the cross. You endured its shame so that we could live a life of freedom, of sonship with you, that we couldn't just be called those that were taking eternal life in the here and now and in the after. But you call us to be children of God, those that are led by you, led by your spirit. I believe you're calling us to that place of surrendering our will one more time. God to say, Lord, I've enjoyed serving you. I've enjoyed having the ability to do all that you've called me to do in my life up until now. I've enjoyed being called a Christian. But Lord God, right now in this moment, I choose to say, God, not my life, but yours. Lord, I want to be a servant in your house, a slave in your house, because I know in that it's not a place of bondage. It's a place of true freedom. To be truly free, we have to learn to be truly bound. Lord, you are our first love. You are our first love. Jesus, we humble ourselves before you. Almighty God. Holy Spirit, I ask that you would begin to move in this place and do what only you can do. God, I can't describe this process. I can't articulate what you truly desire from us, you would never force us to do anything. You are always so good that in your love, you allow all mankind to do whatever they want. You'll allow us to hate each other. You'll allow us to kill each other. You'll allow us to do all these things that you would never want us to do because you love us so much to give us the freedom to choose to truly love, to come into a freedom of a life with you. I want all of you to take a moment to allow your heart to be raw and open before the Lord. Maybe you've never had a relationship with God, and this isn't perhaps what you expected this morning, but I believe the Lord is calling and wooing you into a relationship of freedom. You've experienced what your own freedom can do. You've experienced what going into the world and, and perhaps trying to have a drink or partying on the weekends or or going to a place where you, you'd simply live for yourself and be your own person to show yourself that you could be something in this world, saying in your, with your mouth that you don't care what other people think about you, but in your heart destroyed, and depressed because you don't receive anything back for what you have given out. The Lord says, I am not that way. I am the Lord that loves you with an everlasting love. I am the one that has mercies that are new every morning, that they never ever cease. They never ever change. They are unfolding every single day, new and afresh. There is hope that comes when you receive my mercy if you've never experienced an encounter with Jesus, the Most High God, I want to open up these altars to you to give you an opportunity to say, yes, Jesus, I don't even fully understand all of this, but I know that my own way has not worked. Living for myself has not worked. Seeing religion has not worked. But this relationship, this relationship thing where you call me a daughter, where you call me a son, where you call me your own, That's something I want to ascribe to. I want you to be so bold as to come out of your seat and join me at this altar. To say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord, not my life, but yours. To come into freedom. To come into freedom. There's others of you in this place. That you simply just need to come into a fresh revelation of the love of God for you that he is truly, truly good. And to be his servant, to be his slave is not something to be looked down upon, but it's a life of true freedom. Do you want freedom today? Do you want real freedom today? This altar is altars that open as a place where you can commit your life afresh to the Lord. I want us to begin to worship the Lord. I invite our prayer counselors to come to the front for those that would like prayer for anything at all to join with you in agreement towards the things that we were just mentioning. Maybe you want to start a fresh relationship or you need a a rekindling of the one that you already have. Or maybe you need prayer for a struggle that you're dealing with in your life. You need healing in your body. We want to pray for you. But can we cry out to the Lord one more time, giving Him some time today, saying, Lord, we want to be intimate with you. Even if it's uncomfortable, we will give you the time. Let us experience your mercy afresh. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name.